0: Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we gather around your word, help us to hear once more all that you would say to us. Amen. It's almost a year since Mikel Arteta was appointed manager of Arsenal. He took over a squad which had fallen behind other clubs with whom Arsenal would like to be competing, including the almost unmentionable Tottenham. And at first signs were encouraging. Then Covid struck. Arteta was actually the first confirmed positive case in the league. And the season got postponed. But when they came back, Arsenal won the cup. They beat Man City and Chelsea on the way. And things seemed to start this season okay too. All seemed peachy, but in recent weeks things have tailed off badly. He hasn't had a lot of time, he has a lot of players, he'd probably deemed surplus to requirements. But finding other clubs for them isn't easy, especially when they're earning good money which others might not match. And that also limits who you can bring in, so things don't get fixed overnight. But some are getting restless and impatient. Where is this great recovery we were hoping for, they're asking. Well, during this Advent, both within the Sunday services and the various reflections I've been sending out during the week, we've been focusing on the idea of Advent as a season of waiting of the waiting down through the generations of the Old Testament for God to send a saviour into the world. But we've also been remembering that we too are a people waiting. Just as Arsenal appointing a new manager doesn't instantly solve all their problems, so God sending Jesus isn't like a cosmic click of the fingers which sets everything right in an instant. We are also waiting for God to fulfill a promise. And the Bible describes that promise in lots of different ways the renewal or restoration or reconciliation of all things. But waiting isn't easy, it doesn't come naturally to us. Waiting requires patience, whereas we want stuff sorted now. I confess I find it hard, even as I was writing this paragraph, I had one eye on my email account waiting for someone to send an email. I was thinking, what's keeping them? I was checking my sent names to check that I told them what I wanted them to do. And it's safe to complain about it, they won't be listening. And it's not just other people with whom we can be impatient. We can get impatient with God. In many ways, there's more scope to be impatient with God because he's operating to a whole different time scale. We can pray for something for years and nothing seems to happen. And we can find ourselves wondering, what are you up to, God? I did remember to ask you about this, didn't I? You do know this is important. And that's certainly true of the big picture hope of the renewal, restoration or reconciliation of all things, which is the destiny to which all the Christian faith points. In the reading from 2 Peter this morning, we saw that this was already the case amongst the people to whom Peter was writing. He reminds them that the Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. We suggests that there were actually some who thought he was. And that was back in the time when they were still writing the New Testament. A lot of time has passed since then. In a world where Amazon can offer next day delivery on just about anything, 2,000 years is a long time to wait. But Peter calls us to shift our perspective. There's a difference between being slow and being patient. God's not being slow, he says, as some understand slowness. Instead, God is patient. There's a story Jesus told which helps us get a handle on some of what Peter's talking about. A farmer goes out one day and sows some wheat in his field. But during the night, one of his enemies came along and sowed weeds amongst the wheat. Nobody knew what had happened and at first, as the two plants grew together, no one noticed the difference. Then as the wheat began to develop heads, it became clear it ain't just wheat in that field. And the farm workers asked their boss, do you want us to go out and uproot the weeds? But the farmer said, no, leave it for now. You might damage some of the wheat in the process. Hang on till harvest time, then we can separate it properly without damaging the wheat. That story highlights a few reasons why we need to be patient. In all sorts of ways, our view of the world is partial. If you're a science fiction fan, you may know something of the films where people travel in time. And it's the whole question of, if you could go back in time and change something, should you? Because we can have this idea, if I just fixed that one thing, it would solve all the problems. Except we soon discover that no one is an island. Everything and everyone is connected. So what we think might just impact one person has knock-on effects for someone else, then someone else, and someone else, and so on. You might just think, I'll just knock over the one domino. But that turns out to be the one at the head of one of those really, really impressive chains that you find on YouTube. So it's possible that if God did things our way, it wouldn't solve things. Or at least, not as we think anyway. And in fact, some of the good we long for might get undone along the way. In fact, our solution may be even worse than the problem we thought we were solving. Another aspect of this is that God's mercy is so much wider than ours. God's love and mercy extends even to our enemies. When we see wrong in the world we kind of want to put it right now sooner if possible but what if God were to act that way with all of us what if God were to act that way with you or me I mean if we're really honest we can probably think of areas or times of our lives where we've been glad God's been patient with us God wants to extend that patience to others. Yes, God longs for our world to be as he intended. But God's preference isn't to put us right, but to see us do it. Right at the start of Genesis, God put us in charge of creation. And God takes that very seriously. Also, God can bring good out of far more than we realise. At the heart of our faith is a cross and a table. A story of a God who enters our world. And whose body is broken and whose blood is shed in brutal, humiliating fashion. And that becomes the means by which God achieves the redemption of the world. God's in much less of a hurry than we are. If I were doing a DIY job, I'd probably be in so much of a rush just to get it over and done with that I probably wouldn't get all the prep right. As a result, it would be a botched job. Whereas someone like Benny, who does it for a living, he knows the importance of getting all the prep right. makes a job so much easier. And it may feel a bit slower, but if I trust him, if I even did what he said, patience would prove worth it. It would be a better job. So it is with God. He knows what he's doing way more than we do. And in Christ He is showing himself committed to us and showing that he can be trusted. But before I finish up, one other thing. When we know what we're being asked to wait patiently for, it can make quite a difference to how we wait. I mean, take a look at this picture. To be honest, I was really just looking for an excuse to show this, but it does kind of fit. This is my great-nephews, James and Harry, waiting for Christmas. How sweet is that? Look at Harry's little face on the right. Do you think he would have that same face if he was waiting to go and see the dentist? Or imagine you are going to a concert being given by your favourite musician. How would that be different than, say, waiting for your MOT? I say that because it's important to be aware of what we're waiting for because it affects how we wait. And let's be honest, many pictures of what people people have, of what God has planned for us, aren't very exciting. Many of us grew up with that cartoon image of the character being flattened by the anvil and a spirit floating up to the clouds with a harp. And even within church circles, some of the images haven't been that exciting. Adrian Plass talks about having an image of heaven as that church service that goes on forever and we're singing Shine Jesus Shine for the thousandth time. And some of those images have been disastrous for how Christians live. In the view of many people, the next life has really quite little connection with this one other than perhaps whether we say a particular prayer somewhere along the way. Some have lived with this view that this world is going to be utterly destroyed. And today's reading from 2 Peter is a passage which has been used to cut kind of back that out. It speaks of the heavens disappearing with a roar, of elements destroyed by fire. And some even go so far as to argue, we're not going to need this world, so what we do with it doesn't matter. And it's become a justification for environmental vandalism. that for a moment. If I gave you a gift and you just treated it with utter disdain because you think ah sure Andrew will give me another one later what do you think that would say about how you view me? And then think about what it says of how we view God who gave us this world and called it good. Peter goes on to say, We are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth. But we need to be careful how we understand that. Because in Greek, there were two different words for new. One meant new in the sense that it didn't exist before. But that's not the word that's used. The other meant renewed, restored, remade. It's a bit like that TV program, The Repair Shop. I don't bring in my old family heirloom for them to chuck it in the bin and buy me a new one. No, what I expect at the big reveal is that my heirloom will be renewed, remade, restored. That's the Advent promise, not a floaty harp concert in the clouds. And God's not chucking this world in the bin and starting again. No, his promise is for this world to be refined, renewed, restored. We refine until we're left with pure gold. And that's the Bible hope. That all the unjust, evil, destructive impurity, the causes of sorrow and pain, will be part of an old order that passes away. But all that is good will remain. All that is true and noble and right and pure and lovely and excellent and praiseworthy. That will be the gold that's part of the new creation. I don't know how it will happen, but the Bible's promise is that it will. And that's why we embrace it now, because this life does matter. We are sharing in God's work of recreation. So, yes, our Advent hope requires patience. And if the fulfillment of God's promises seem a long time coming, well, from our perspective, it has. On the other hand, God works to a different time scale. He knows what He's doing and has way more patience and mercy than we do. And He's promised He'll get us there. And He will be true to His promises. But how we live now matters. For rather than simply waiting for God to click his fingers and put everything right one fine day, we are invited to join him in that work of new creation, of recreation, right now. Making this world more as God intended until God fulfills all that he's promised grace and peace to you. Amen.